I'm Rachel Winchester, and you're listening to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Over the course of the podcast, Carol has shared profiles of women who have made a huge impact on her life. Women like Edith Schaefer, Amy Carmichael, and Corey Ten Boom. We are replaying five of those episodes during our Women of Valor series. I hope you are inspired and encouraged and that these women make a profound impact on your life as well. Today, I would like to introduce you to a woman that has had a profound influence on my life and on the life of countless other Christians, male and female. Her name is Amy Carmichael. She was born in Ireland uh, in a lovely Christian family. She was extremely mischievous, and one of her biographies is called The Wild Bird Child, as she named herself and wrote a poem about her childhood. She was always getting into trouble and leading her friends and her siblings into exploits. She was fearless. She was raised in a very godly, committed home. Her dad and uncle owned the flour mill there in Ireland, and they helped build schools and helped the poor and were very involved in ministry. And they were also very involved in the Keswick movement, spelled K-E-S-W-I-C-K, which was a real call to holiness that took place in England and is still operating to this day. When Amy was growing up, she had a very strong call to Christ at the age of 11. And she and her parents uh, became more and more involved in ministry. When she was a very small girl, as is told in one of my favorite books on her in the series called Little Lights from Scotland, she had been told by her mother that God always answers prayer. And so one day she prayed that her brown eyes would be blue like her mother's and she went to bed at night and the next morning she woke up and ran to the mirror and cried out in pain and disappointment because her eyes were still brown and when her mother found her crying she said well Amy sometimes God says yes sometimes he says no and sometimes he says wait and years later the Lord revealed to her why it was so absolutely essential that she have brown eyes for the things he had planned for her. She got involved, as I said, with the Keswick movement, and the gentleman that was overseeing it was named Robert Wilson. His wife and daughter, who had been Amy's age, passed away, and he asked Mrs. Carmichael if Amy could come and live at uh, the Grange, his home, his beautiful home, and be his daughter. Amy lived there for a while, even though Mr. Wilson's sons were in great disapproval about her being there. She learned a lot of things about being quiet, about being unpopular in a situation, not defending herself. She had to keep secrets because she did all of Mr. Wilson's correspondence which contained a lot of confidential and painful things from people pouring their hearts out to him. But as the time wore on, Amy 
began to get a call from the Lord, and he said to her she was to go. She tried to go to China and applied to work in the China Inland Mission and was refused because of her fragile health. And through a series of events, she started out by going to Japan and Cyprus, and eventually the Lord brought her to her future home in India. When Amy arrived, uh, she was, again, that wild bird child. The Indian, excuse me, the British missionaries would meet every day and have tea and play tennis and uh, wore corsets and high-necked blouses and uh, tight-waisted skirts. And Amy very soon just saw how ludicrous that was. And she began to wear native sari dresses and eat and live like a native Indian. The British were horrified and actually through the years tried to have her sent back to England because she was really rocking their comfortable little boat. But Amy never did anything to please man. She lived with an audience of one. She organized some Indian women and they started traveling into the small villages and they called themselves the Starry Cluster. And they took off their jewels, which was a very big cultural no-no among the Indian women. And they would sleep in barns and in rat-infested buildings and eat who knows what But they went from village to village, shining the light of Christ, normally just speaking to the women. Men uh, were kind of forbidden. And through one amazing, miraculous encounter, a little girl, and a little 11-year-old girl to be exact, heard Amy and her friends sharing the gospel. And she had cried out to the god Shiva, to change her disposition, and nothing had happened. And then she heard Amy and her friends share that God could turn a lion into a lamb and that he was the one true God. And she traveled and she came to where Amy and her workers were living and she said, will you be my mother? Her family was horrified and tried to come and pick her up and bring her back. But as the years wore on, they finally gave up and allowed little Aruli to live with Amma Amy, Mother Amy. And Aruli became one of the real leaders in Amy's ministry. Through the years, they began to hear horror stories about what was taking place in Hindu temples throughout the land and how children, small little girls, were being sold to the temples to be given, as they said, to the gods, which was a nice way of saying child prostitution. And Amy decided that she was going to start rescuing these children. It took years and years of agonizing travel and bargaining and legal battles. Amy was about to be sent to prison for seven years because when a child would be brought to her or would come to her as an escapee and she refused to give the child back, the law 
considered her a kidnapper. But each time the Lord would fight for her. Very often they would cover hill and dale, travel for days in the most horrible conditions of heat and deprivation and filth, and they would get there to rescue a child, and the child would have been sold the day before, or the child would be brought back and would die two days later. But they never turned a child away, and they never gave up rescuing children. There were different young women that Amy rescued and ministered to. One of them I mentioned was Ari who went on to be head of the nursing in Amy's ministry, hospital, children's home. Uh, the name of her ministry became called Donover. It was named after the village in India where they lived. And another little girl was named Kohila, and she also became a nurse and a huge part of Amy's ministry. Both of these young women died tragically, one from cancer and one from climbing a mountain to try and get beautiful flowers for a special celebration. No one knew the birthdays of the children that were brought to Donover, and so they would celebrate their coming day. And that was like their birthday. And they would decorate with beautiful flowers. And Amy was a believer in nature and fun and beauty. She was also very much influenced by um, Charlotte Mason and the writings that came forth from Charlotte Mason's ministry. And some of the people who came to work for Amy in later years had been trained by Charlotte Mason. And so the love of poetry and singing and the outdoors and physical exercise and particularly the understanding of God's creation as it declares the glory of God. There are many, many books written about Amy and written by Amy. In her older years, in her 60s, Amy began, after she had built a hospital, a house of prayer, and eventually had up to 900 children that she was caring for and feeding and never telling anyone of her financial needs. Never. She had very strong conviction about that, and she never broke that promise to the Lord. It was truly miraculous how they would pray for something, they would begin moving into a plan to buy something or build something to extend the ministry. And that very day in the mail, which had been sent maybe months before from England or from America, a check would arrive and it would be the exact amount they needed to go forward in the next stage of the outreach. The books that I have really enjoyed are uh, the books that Amy has written. She wrote a book called The Gold Cord, which was the story of Donover and the Fellowship. She wrote the story of Arulai's life called Plowed Under, A Young Girl's Obedience and God's Ever-Present Grace. She wrote the story of Kohila, which is called The Shaping of an Indian Nurse. And then she wrote many, many devotional books, meditation books, and letters that she wrote were also collected. One of the books that contains her letters is called Candles in the Dark, Letters of Hope and Encouragement. 
some of the biographies that I'd like to remind, remind to recommend to you all. Uh, I think I'll start with my favorite, which is called The Wild Bird Child, The Life of Amy Carmichael. And it's written by a fellow Irishman named Derek Bingham, The Wild Bird Child. And then another biography that I think is really well done is entitled AMA, A-M-M-A, The Life and Words of Amy Carmichael. And it's written by Elizabeth Skoglund. And there's a foreword by Ruth Bell Graham. Ruth contributed a lot of the books to the author Elizabeth Skoglund while she was writing the book because Ruth Bell Graham had a complete Amy Carmichael library and many of her books are unavailable or out of print. And so she helped Elizabeth Skoglund in the writing of the book. Hi, this is Carol's assistant, Rachel. I wanted to let you know about the spring sale going on in our online store. Now through May 17th, you'll automatically receive 25% off any purchase of $50 or more. You'll find resources covering a range of topics, including media, nutrition, nature, literature, and of course, homeschooling. Over the last two years, several of the seminars have been updated with new recordings, so be sure to check those out. You don't want to miss this chance to save 25% store-wide. Click the link in the show notes to visit the online store and build your Carol Joyside library today. Now back to the show. Probably the best known biography is written by Elizabeth Elliot, Jim Elliot's wife. Uh, Jim Elliot, one of the missionaries from Wheaton College who went and ministered to the Aka Indians and uh, were, was martyred. All of them were martyred. And Elizabeth Elliot was his wife who continued on the ministry there. But she wrote a biography on Amy called A Chance to Die, The Life and Legacy of Amy Carmichael by Elizabeth Elliot. And then a very simple book, short and sweet, not for children, uh, because so much of Amy's ministry was involved with so many dark and evil practices that you have to be very careful what books your children are exposed to prematurely. But this book is definitely for adults, and it's called Amy Carmichael, Let the Little Children Come, and it's by Lois Hoadley Dick, and it's published by Moody Press. And then my series of books that I enjoy so much from Scotland, the Trailblazer books, has a book on Amy called Rescuer by night rescuer by night and that's by Kay Walsh and it's an excellent book but it doesn't go into the gory details and so it's a safer book to allow your children to read there's so many things about Amy and the things that she taught that have impacted me her constant teaching of thinking of others never complaining never telling anyone but the Lord your needs and your problems. She prayed for people to come alongside of her, and many, many years she was doing this work almost completely alone. Finally, two different British nurses came at different times in Amy's life to help her with the children. Uh, She never intended to be, as she said, a nursemaid, but the Lord in his wisdom knew that that was the need in India. So often missionaries 
go to a country expecting to minister to the adults and wind up ministering to the children because that's where you can have the most input of any uh, people group in a culture or in a nation. When Amy was in her 60s, she was trying to buy a a piece of property for the children to get away. They used to call her the woman who ran like a hare, H-A-R-E, because she was so busy. As a matter of fact, when she was a new missionary, she would ride a horse uh, through the countryside in India, and the missionaries were horrified. Her hair would be loose, flying behind her. She would be racing the horse. One day she raced against, I think it was a bishop, and she raced against his cart and won, and she just was full of fun. But as she got older, she saw a need for her children to get out of the heat. The heat in India is literally torturous, and she was very concerned about their health, And that's why so many British missionaries sent their children away to to boarding schools because they were afraid their children would die from the climate in India. But the Indian children also suffer terribly from the climate. So Amy went um, about seven miles away north from Donover to look at a piece of property that was considered a haunted property and cursed. And when she went up there, She was trying to get a key to get into the building. She fell into a pit that had been dug, broke her ankle, her leg, uh, injured her arm. And because she didn't have proper medical care, Amy began to just fall apart physically. And for the next 20 years of her life, she was stranded in her room and for several years was stranded in her bed the last years of her life. But she never stopped praying. She never stopped ministering. She never stopped counseling people. Her room was called the place of peace by the other workers there. And she wrote 13 books from her bed of pain, 13 books. She wrote a total of, I believe, 35 books in the course of her life. And many of those books are out of print, but quite a few are available from Christian Literature Crusade in Pennsylvania, CLC Publishers. I bring some of them at my seminars and love to introduce people to Amy, but do everything you can to gather her books, to see um, what you've missed out on. You want to raise your children knowing her, loving her, but you as an adult and all your friends, to read Amy, to be challenged by the life she lived, the standards that she held to, which I feel are pretty much unlike any other missionary I've ever read about. Amy came to India as a young woman and never left. She was there, I believe, for 53 years. She died in her early 80s, and never stopped ministering and giving of herself, teaching, leading. Donover is still operating to this day, and it was Amy's dream that it would be run by native Indian people. She did not want it to be a British or American-run ministry, and she got her wish. Uh, Years ago, the ministry became completely independent and run by Indian people. If I could give you one takeaway from Amy, 
I believe it is her complete trust in God as she watched her best friends suffer and die, as she was persecuted, misunderstood by Christians, not to, of course, mention the native Hindu and Muslim people there in India, but she never doubted the Lord, which is unbelievable when you read the things that she lived through, the sorrows, the tragedies, the losses. She kept her eyes on the Lord. And even when it didn't make sense, one of her favorite stories was when the Jewish children were about to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And they said, our Lord is able to deliver us. But if not, O king, we will not bow. We will not bend. And her one of her favorite phrases was, but if, but if not, that she would still never give up on God because he would never give up on her. When she was dying, as I said, she kept on writing letters and answering letters. And in her last days, when she couldn't even write because her entire body was just completely shut down, her last letter, which was undated and written in pencil in, large, in pencil in large scrawling letters, said this, Precious child, if so dear to me, what to him? If so dear to me, what to him? Amma. She modeled the love of Christ in ways that have rarely been seen in our day or in history. And if you ask me who I want to grow up to be like, I would say Amy. I want to read you a little description of what they went through to rescue one child. Her best friend, Panamal, uh, became the courier to go when they heard of a child that was going to be available. And she described this. She kept a traveling bag packed so that she or Panamel, at a moment's notice, whenever they heard of a baby or child about to be given to a temple, could go immediately and try to change the mind of the parent. She describes travel in those days. This is what Amy said. First, being thrown about in a bandy for two hours, worse than seasickness. A bandy is this horrible primitive cart with no springs. It's like an old, old primitive ox cart. Then a four-hour wait in the brutal sun along the road, hoping for a bus that would stop. Heat hitting the side of her head like a bullet. A wave of nausea and dizziness, brain and stomach colliding as the devouring heat circled her. Surely her clothes were on fire. But after bus, pa bus after bus passed, crammed with rollicking people, finally, a ramshackle bus lurched up and she climbed aboard and wedged herself into a space between people and crates of noisy chickens. The bus stopped once at a shrine so the priest could sprinkle Siva's ashes on a wheel that seemed to be held together by twine. Then, getting out into a deserted street in a strange town, she hunted for another bus going farther. No bus. A rough and tumble ride in another bandy which cha charged triple fare since the driver saw her desperation. 
arrival at the address given, only to find the baby had already been sold to a temple woman. But to give them to temples is honor and glory, to merit to us forever. To give them to you is dishonor and shame and demerit. Why should we give them to you? The Hindu women would say. They considered it a shame to give their children to Christians. And they considered it an honor to give them to the gods, which was a polite way of saying to the demons. Being exposed to Amy Carmichael will change your life. She will spoil you for Christianity as usual. She will call you to a higher calling. And it's my goal to read her books until the day I die to continually cast that vision before me of what it means to be truly sold out for Christ. That's the legacy that Amy Carmichael left. And I pray that we can grow and learn from her example. Thanks for joining me this week on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating and a review on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help too. Visit my website, Carol, with an E at the end, Joy Side, to subscribe to the monthly newsletter and receive exclusive discounts in my online store where seminars and other interviews are available. Be sure to tune in next week for my next episode where I help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Blessings.